Well, 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 we're eight points clear with three games in hand after another victory in the league at the weekend. That's seven in a row for anyone counting. Yes, you are listening to the Grand Old Podcast. I am Hamish Carton and we have got two other guys as usual to discuss Saturday's victory over Motherwell. We have Paul Fisher and John McGinley. Good weekend, guys. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I've, I've actually been feeling a bit under the weather this weekend, unfortunately. Um, Join so, the club. Yeah, <laughs> a bit like uh, Eric Sviatchenko watching the Celtic on the sofa under the covers. So, um, yeah, apart from Celtic, my weekend's not, not been the, the greatest success. What about yourself, Paul? I've, this has been another weekend. I'm sitting here hungover on a Sunday night. Um, <laughs> my, my work's night out and, uh, last night and it was uh, a 30th birthday party on Friday, so a bit heavy, but got to see the game, so it was all good. Yeah, you paint a good image of the, the Ayrshire man there, Paul. <laughs> your, your, your Saturday nights and your, your hangovers <laughs> on the Sunday. Um, but yeah, um, Motherwell probably will be feeling, feeling a wee sense of hangover um, on Sunday uh, when they woke up because they'll be wondering how they managed to lose the game on Saturday. But about the Celtic, um, Paul, I'll come to you first. It was it was an incredible match for part seven goals, four of them thankfully um, to Celtic, what are your immediate thoughts on the outcome of the game and what it means? The outcome of the game is, is just uh, more a sense of relief, maybe, than than anything else. I think going into the mm-hmm. game, we're all quite um, we're all quite ca- quietly confident that we do the business. Motherwell don't seem to cause a huge amount of problems, and when we play them, but they came out firing. Um, Louis Moult was phenomenal. Um, his first goal, especially, I thought. Rocco uh, Latour has maybe been caught out slightly, but. What a finish, but you're looking at it um, after the 90 minutes of the second game, it's a classic game of two halves, Motherwell ran the, ran the roost over, they were brilliant in the first half, but then we came out, Brendan Rodgers clearly changed it up and, and we managed to get the four goals, which surprised we needed four, I thought maybe we would only need three because we knew something was going to change, but um, no, a fantastic one. Yeah, Hugh Keevans, famous words um, on Saturday, Celtic don't have three goals in them. John, we had four in us. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's classic Hugh Keevans, isn't it? Um, whenever he seems to say something, we seem to kind of uh, ridicule him later on. But the, the the result and the result in general, it was or the match in general, sorry, was was incredible to watch. Probably will be the game of the season. Maybe Manchester City aside at home, and the the. You know, it's funny. I was we were speaking uh, um, in our WhatsApp group uh, throughout the game, and you were at the game, so maybe we should be asking you uh, your thoughts on the game. But uh, we were speaking during the game, and I was quite moany at halftime. Um, you know, it's the the nature of watching games on TV, I think, compared to uh, watching games um, at the stadium, because uh, you were quite positive about our chances at halftime. Yeah. I, I just didn't have a, a hope in a hope in hell that we were going to turn it around. Yeah, there were there were some some people around me probably sharing your um, your viewpoint <laughs> on the game. There was um, there, there was a lot of uh, there's actually a bit more negativity than I thought when we conceded in the first goal. I remember a guy next to me going absolutely mental with right. Colo Touri saying this guy's past it, he's not good enough. Um, when it was actually to be fair, I thought Touri was caught out hopelessly. Maybe and after after seeing it again, you appreciate the other team's good football. McManus were a fantastic ball. And that finish, as Paul says, from from Louis Moult was was absolutely sublime. Um, but I think it's an interesting point you touch on in terms of the support. In the main, I thought there was a a kind of newfound sense of patience is probably yeah. the word to use it in the team, especially in the second half when we were really 
pressing. Um, there was maybe that the old guard that were going, oh, hit it for 30 yards, you know, yeah. like the, the, the folk next to us at Parkhead in the old yeah. days, uh, hit it for 30 yards, <laughs> 35 yards. Um, but there was also this new this new sense that the guy behind me kept talking about. It's fine, we're moving the ball, we're stretching Motherwell, we're creating gaps, just be patient, keep the ball, which must have been music if he'd have heard it to Brendan Rodgers' ears, because that's well, what he's been preaching from day yeah, one. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing, though, is that it's it's the goodwill that Brendan Rodgers has built um, in the results and the performances so far that we can afford to have a bad half and the fans still back the team 100%. And to be honest, the, the away fans generally do anyway, but I thought it was just a, it was a different level um, of support and as soon as you get a bit of adversity or um, some kind of underdog status in the Celtic support, then they really rise to new heights. And I think that's what inspired the team in the second half, uh, personally. I, I, th- I think it reminded me of the, the semi-final against Rangers. Me and you were there together, Hamish, and we yeah. remember in the second half, we were, some, we were quite confident that we were still going to get that goal, even when it got to 70, 80 minutes. We were, like, we were good mm. enough to go out there under Brendan Rodgers. We, we know what the team can do. There's a few folk around about you getting a bit negative and saying that we should be, the game should be finished before it was and stuff like that. And it, and it kind of rang through again. We, we knew if we don't panic, we, the goals and the chances will come. And to be fair, the four goals we scored were really good finishes. And, and we did take the chances that we had. And thankfully, we, we won the game. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point you make because I was thinking uh, earlier on today, there were seven goals in the, the game and every single one of them you could say was a really good goal. Mm-hmm. Even the Motherwell yeah, ones, they were all true. well-worked goals or they were like Rogic's final one um, and they were really kind of one-man skillful finish or whatever. But in terms of the point you make about um, the Rangers game, uh, there was, a thinking about it now, a real similar vibe. Um, my only worry in terms of the game running out of time, it wasn't finding the breakthrough, which is probably a, a real positive of this Celtic team, John. Yeah, um, and this Celtic team are going to go to the end and and try to the end of every single game. Um, I think Paul Paul's sticking out a stat for us that he had in our group chat earlier about how we've uh, scored a lot of our goals after the 80th minute, and you just know that we're going to get the job done, really. Um, and you know, eight points clear now with the chance to go 17 points clear um, <laughs> on our own terms, which is quite incredible when you think about it. Um, so, yeah, another good game, um, and some good performances, some not good performances. Um, yeah, we'll talk talk about the the good performances then, because the ones that, that sprung out for me, um, certainly, well, obviously, in the second half when we looked at our best, um, Rogic obviously, but what about Paddy Roberts, uh, Paul, and also. Um, Stuart Armstrong. Well, that was the, the, the three players that, that, if you're going to ask me who, who stood out for you, that's the three players that you'd come out with. Uh, Rogic, to start off with the, the goal, um, he, he seems to just know that he's always got something, and I know he's getting this bit of reputation that he doesn't play um, the full 90 minutes, and it's true because you, you dug out a stat, it was the last time you'd done that, it was against Kilmarnock. Um, yeah, September. In September, so it's, it's been a wee while, but. Um, you look at his scoring record, he scored nine goals this season and four of the goals have came in the 80th minute or afterwards. So well, we, we were joking last week that he, he doesn't last 90 minutes, um, Tom Rogic, and mm-hmm. then he proves us wrong with a goal in the last <laughs> minute. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, you're right, um, and um, he played the 90 minutes this time, and I think it's only the, f- the fourth or fifth time he's done that this season, but um, it shows that if he's on the park, he can always create a bit of magic, even if he's not putting in... Um, as much of a team shift as maybe um, other players. I spell a, a myth for me then. Is he quick? I don't think he is, no. 
I've but he's, there's something about him. He's got like such a good. What is it then? Is it is his turn of pace with the ball, or because he's got He's one of those players who just has the ball stuck to his feet when he's running with it. No, it's his, I think it's his, it's his ability to find space in, initially on receiving the ball. So you find space with maybe players um, further than five yards around him in a circle, and so he has space to run into, and so he doesn't need his pace to. Um, come to a situation where he needs to either take a shot or pass because he, he he's already found the space that he needs. So I think that's what it is. I think it's his anticipation and his ability to find space uh, in pockets between the midfield and the, uh, the attack that other players who, like Scott Brown or Stuart Armstrong, Patrick Roberts, James Forrest, can can find him in that space. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it, it was kind of reminiscent of the Kilmarnock game last season when he scored in the last minute. And you seen when I was afterwards the game, I was, was talking to a couple of guys from my work, and I was saying about how he looked as if he was looking for someone to to pass to, and then he just kind of looks up, sees the keeper slightly off his line, and he goes, "Oh, I'm having a pop here," and then he finds the goal. And the command game last season, he done that as well. He kind of looked about, he kind of strolled forward a wee bit, keeps the ball at his feet, keeps it simple, and just goes pops one into the back end. It was phenomenal the finishing he's got. His, I don't understand. The, 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 I seen this myth about the sixty minutes. And he's only a sixty minute man and stuff like that. He's proven it wrong yeah. time and time again. He's scoring the goals late on. The goals that matter. Yeah, I mean that that Kelly game. The last time he played ninety minutes, he scored I think the eighty sixth minute in that game as well. So it just shows that he does he does play for ninety minutes certainly. Um, how far can this guy go then, John? In terms of even away from Celtic, is he? up there in the bracket with and I know they're different positions but Van Dijk and Wan Yama and players like that. I, I'm not I'm not convinced and I'm not I don't want to be harsh because obviously he's he's scored the winner there and he's having a great season. But I'm not sure he is of the calibre to play for maybe I don't know. But when you think about moves to England you immediately think to the top eight clubs and I'm not sure that he's got that ability. And I think it is to do with his pace and you know, I, I don't want to be too harsh on him because he's been such a fantastic player for us. But in terms of the elite English clubs, I don't know if he's quite ready. I think he's still developing as a player, and I think um, yeah, I think he'll continue to do that at, at us. Um, but I know there is some people who think he can play for the likes of Arsenal and stuff. I don't know what you guys think about that, but for me, um, no. Nah, actually, I, I think he could. Um, I'll, I'll explain. Really? I'll explain why. I think um, g- good players find space. Yeah. Um, I think I think he's got that, and I think he'd be able to do that down south. Um, I also I also think that his first touch is, and you compared him to Nakamura um, last week in terms of the the playmaking role he has. Yeah. For me, for me, he's got his first touch is the best we've had um, since Nakamura. Mm-hmm. His first touch, I think, is just brilliant. As I say, it stuck to his foot, um, and I think attributes like that he needs to improve. And it seems strange saying it after he scored such a great goal, and you think of Kelly away and things like that. But he needs to improve his end product. I think. I think his passing at times is lazy um, and I think he's shooting sometimes. You see the good goals with the amount of times he'll put the ball 10 yards over the bar as well. Um, but I think if he can improve his final product, I think he has everything there um, yeah. to, to be that good. I think with the players round about him make him look maybe slightly better than he is. I don't know if that's... It's maybe being that's controversial. Ha- it's maybe being, being a bit of a harsh on him, but I think when he came into the, the squad, he was... You had the, the, the guys, uh, they're feeding him, they're doing well, obviously he can, he's, he's good at finding the space and he can he can score a goal, but I think there's there's a lot of good players in the Celtic team and I don't know if maybe if he went down south to, to like a Southampton or an Everton or something like that, he would maybe get, get found out slightly. I, th- I'm I, kind I, of, think, I think it's true that the, the players around them do do a lot of busy work uh, in terms of 
you know, uh, pressing the ball and 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 putting in the hard work mm-hmm. uh, that maybe he doesn't do. But uh, you, like the players around him at Celtic are no better than the players that would be around him in an English team. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure about that argument. That I, I think I I genuinely think that he's been. If not our best player this season, then our second best player this season. So I don't think that he's, he, I don't think he's been carried on the coattails of people around him. Um, I think he's doing it himself, uh, in my opinion. So Tom Rogic is only good because he's plays in the same team as Scott Brown. That's a quote from Paul Fisher <laughs> right there. Um, you did ask the question on Twitter, John. Uh, should Tom Rogic? be considered uh, with a chance of being our player of the year um, 91% of people think he should be considered or he's in with a chance of it, yeah. 9% of people don't think he is, I am one of those 9% Really? Um, my reason is Moussa Dembele simple as that well, nah, see, right, we'll, we'll talk about Dembele should we, I, I mean I, I really like Dembele, the goals he scored have, have been different class but I don't know if he's got the consistency to do it over a whole season and, and that might be controversial in itself but um, I just feel like the last few games from Dembele haven't been spectacular and that's natural for his age I think and it's natural because a striker can't be phenomenal every week in week out um, unless you're Lionel Messi but I just I think Rogic has got more of a chance of being our player of the year than Dembele I don't know mm. is that if that's I- I just think um, player of the year usually you get it for the moments that people remember and for me um, when you look at moments from Dembele this season you've probably honestly got about five or six goal- goals you could go That's like they're, they're the favourite goal I've ever seen um, type, type thing I mean the, the three against well the four against Rangers the two against Man City immediately pop up to mind you had in Astana and games like that as well there's an argument, um, there's an argument there though that these, these goals have came far too early in the season and when it comes to a world season these, they're, <laughs> they're going to be forgotten about you think oh forget 5-1 against Rangers no but I think you see when, you see when these guys are voting for, for who they think is, is, is the player of the year it's, it always seems to be that the guys who have consistently performed throughout the whole season as John said mm. if, if they're consistent throughout the whole season whether it's a defender a goalie or a, a striker um, then they'll be the ones that will get recognised. I think obviously he scored 17 goals this season. If he and if he does that again, obviously in the kind of second half of the season, he's got a very good chance. But I think Rogic has got a bigger chance for me if he keeps it going. But there was one one player I thought there was a, a kind of shoe in for it, and I said this to you at the start of the season or kind of early games. The Kieran Tierney was phenomenal, and yeah. he was he was consistently doing the business. I don't know how it must have been about five or six out of the first ten games. He was manning the match at Celtic Park and mm. and things like that. But then your, your other argument, I would the other guy I would throw in there was Scott Brown. How much he's improved and how much he is doing for the team. It's amazing when you compare it to last season. We had one player, well, maybe two, Tierney and Griffiths last season. This year, you could honestly look at the team and you could go Scott Brown's in with a chance, eh, Tom Rogic in with a chance, James Forrest in with a chance, Moussa Dembele in with a chance, Scott yeah. Sinclair in with a chance, yeah. um, Tierney in with a chance. There's been so many this season. Do you think this could be the year when there's four nominations and they're all from the one club? Oh, that's a good show, actually. Um, and. If Dembele does it in the high-profile games, then I think that's what he has going for him. But um, I think you've noted that he's not scored a goal in open play since October, which is Ross County. Yeah, yeah, that's that's quite that's quite a long time to go without a goal in open play, and obviously there's pressure on penalties and stuff. But 
Yeah, yeah he's, he also hasn't scored the first half goal since Manchester City, which right. seems absolutely ages ago. Uh, without kind of going too much into this and reading too much into his recent form, is he starting to believe his own press, or am I way off it there? I, th- I think that's harsh. I, d- I don't think that's got much to do with it. I think it's just. I think it's just that's this is just what happens to footballers sometimes. And he, I, he's he's not. Is I think his first touch at, uh, on Saturday wasn't wasn't the best, but mm. he's still trying and he, he's still contributing to the team. Um, but I think it's, it was a shame that Lee Griffiths was ill yesterday because I think he would have had a, a good chance of coming off the bench to. Um, replaced Dembele because I think it was one of Dembele's worst performances of the season. Mm. Um, so yeah, but so I think Griffiths maybe has a chance of coming back into the team just to light the fire under Dembele again. Uh, yeah, uh, no, uh, pro- probably a good thing for everyone. I think you need to look at the fact as well that he's played in every, I think every game, uh, and he's the only player that's played in every game. Um, for a guy at that age and to have that pressure and expectation on him must be must be difficult. He's, I know mm-hmm. he's scoring goals and he's, his record is phenomenal so far, um, but he seems like he's. I don't know if I can. I'm kind of in between the two the opinions of you guys to whether he is believing his own hype or he's he's kind of just keeping his feet on the ground. I think it's a bit of both. He's he's scoring goals, but when he's not getting the, the chances like falling to him on a plate, he's he's struggling and getting a wee bit frustrated. So he's here's a from, sorry. So here's a question though. So. If so, there's this. There was this rumor throughout the week, and it was Gregor Kyle at the Daily Record, um, who used to work for Celtic. So um, maybe he got a bit of a scoop here, but he had a story on Glasgow Live saying that Liverpool were preparing a January bid for twenty million pounds, which would be ten million pounds up front with the rest in add-ons. Now, if Liverpool did make that bid, would you accept it in January? Yes. Would you? Hundred percent. Yeah. I'd probably I drive them down there as well, and I don't even drive. So <laughs> what, probably, yeah. what, what's your thinking on that? Just because it's a lot of money, or just... yeah, I mean, what, what's the most we've ever got? Thirteen million for a player before. I think yeah. um, going up to twenty. Now you'll hear the whole argument of if he was playing down south, he'd be worth double that. He's not playing down south. He's playing in Scotland. I think to get twenty million for him um, when we signed him for half a million six months previous uh, would be, I'd say, pretty good business. I mean, I I just. I I would I'm one of those guys who likes to like likes us to hang on to the top talent at the club for as long as possible. I just think it's too soon for him to to, to move. Really, there there is an argument he's only going to get better as well. I do get that argument, and that it could be twenty five million. Like he's not he's not the kind of player you know. In the past, we've maybe had a player, and you've thought like Johansson maybe get rid of him now. Um, while he's he's playing well because we might not see him as good in the next six months but I think Dembele is only going one way it's an upward trajectory um, and for me um, for, for me yeah I could see the 20 million would kind of put stars in my eyes I'd probably um, lose him for that but I could see the argument of keeping him and maybe getting 25 in the summer I, I think as well you need to look at the fact that this has happened before and we've had players coming through and go oh we're going to get 20 million 25 million all these price tags have been flung on them by the media and it's and it's no come out that way. Let's say it's the most is was thirteen million or something like that. But I remember when Izaguirre when he had his his phenomenal season when he won Player of the Year and all that kind of stuff, and thought uh, if somebody come in for him and has got a few million quid, you'd, you'd take it. And then he gets injured and he doesn't quite find the form, and he's kind of just stagnating. I know he's getting getting games now that Tierney's injured, but you think about it that way. If if we're going to get the money, we want to compete in the big stage. If we can get money for these guys, well, we can. And I think sometimes you need to take it. 
Yeah, no, it's an interesting debate anyway. Um, two other players I want to touch on. I'm not going to touch on the whole team, but um, Stuart Armstrong and Paddy Roberts, John, they both scored at the weekend and they were both pretty crucial in our comeback. Well, Armstrong was the key to the whole performance in the second half, um, as well as the change in formation. But Armstrong and McGregor, I would say, were, were our catalyst to, to really bring the game to Motherwell. And Armstrong just seemed to be all over the pitch, whether it was defensively, tracking back with mm. some solid tackles. In the last third, even now on the wing, it was just he was exceptional and he took his goal well. He set up uh, uh, Patrick Roberts' superbly. That, that yeah. dinked cross was just unbelievable. Um, so I think Stuart Armstrong deserves all the all the plaudits. A, a, a level of performance um, equal to Anthony Stokes at Kilmarnock when we came back from three 0 down. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Actually, I, there was there were similarities in the way that he, he stood up and he was counted, Stuart Armstrong. Um, I think I'd, I'd like to pay attention to Paddy Roberts as well. I thought um, he was showing signs um, of the stuff that we saw from him last season. He was tormenting, um, was it Stevie Hamill, uh, left back for Motherwell. Um, what did you mean? I know you're a big fan of him, Paul. Yeah, I know, and I think it's just it's good that he's getting the game time and, and trying to like, get back to that level. When he first burst onto the Celtic scene, everybody thought, well, here we go, we'll not we'll no have this guy for much longer. Um, he seemed to be phenomenal and obviously dropped off a wee bit, wasn't getting as many games, but on, on Saturday, he was, he was different class. He was he was really, really good. And scoring the goal, when you see the passion when he, when he scored that goal, um, yeah, it, it was it, all four goals. To be honest, Gio put, a, Gio put a tweet up, and it was the four goals: the goal scorer McGregor, yeah. Armstrong as well, um, and then obviously in the in Rockets, he's always the same when he scores. He goes a bit nuts, but um, <laughs> I thought Pat, I thought Roberts was was one of the one of the better performers on the day. Obviously, um, second half was key, um, and. His goal, just to be to be in that position for from for a winger, I thought it's it's, it's slightly strange, but he, he gets into these positions and he, he can find his way to go. And you, I know you touched on it slightly, John, about the, the change in the tactics and stuff like that. Yeah, I think when Izaguirre went off, I say to the guys I was with in the pub, I says we need to play down the right hand side here. We can't go left. There's no overlap. There's nothing happening. Yeah. McGregor obviously is makeshift coming in there. Go through Patrick Roberts and, and take all the play down, and same says to Stevie Hamill, and yeah, yeah and it, it worked properly, and, it, and obviously we got the, the goals in the end. Well, the, the thing was that the change before the change when we had the four, but the, our fullbacks Lustig and Izaguirre were having a dreadful game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Chris Cadden and was it Ross McLean as well? Um, yeah, both absolutely had a, a really good first half, and probably that's why they went in uh, in two 0 2-0 up and I think the change just uh, compacted our uh, back line a little bit and then they weren't going to get past Zminovic had <laughs> this kind of weird performance of being a centre back and also a winger Le- a left winger I yeah, <laughs> yeah it was very strange um, and I think that change in tactics helped us defensively maybe more than it did uh, in an attacking sense and I think by the time the early goal in the second half we were all, I think we were always going to win at that point I felt like as soon as it went 2-1 you just knew that was it where we're just going to uh, go on a storm run and put really a lot of pressure on Motherwell, um, and obviously that's what happened. Yeah, well, we always like to, to touch on the gaffer as well, Brendan Rodgers, the key to, to so much, well, probably all of our success this season. Um, what did he do yesterday at half-time to change things when it wasn't working out for us? Yeah, so it was there was that change to the to the three at the back, and um, yeah. 
McGregor. Was it as simple as that though? Because you could argue we lost the, the third goal from from kind of having <laughs> a, a lack, lack of players in left back position. That's true. I mean, I think it just I don't know what he said to the players at half time, but they came out with the intent that they weren't going to lose today. And I think uh, whatever he said to them or whatever he, whatever knowledge he imparted um, obviously worked. Um, I'm not a, a huge tactics guy, but I, you know, I just I noted that the. Uh, Motherwell couldn't get at us at all really in the second half and I think it was partly due to the change in formation partly due to uh, Callum McGregor and Stuart Armstrong picking up their game in the middle of the park and um, that spurred us on really Yeah, I mean the second half in terms of football match I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it it was just, it was relentless the amount of times that they were just uh, scrapping to clear the ball and they actually... Motherwell defended all right for losing four goals in forty-five minutes, um, but they they were kind of clearing the ball. And it was just coming straight back at them. It was just like completely relentless. So, what did it feel like at Far Park? Did it feel like the fans knew what was going to happen? Um, yeah, well, the, the atmosphere at half time, um, as I say, was was very much we get a goal early on in the second half, like we did, and things will, will come together. Um, it was, as I say, the guy behind me that kept talking about just keep moving the ball, just keep moving it. Um, it was a it was a strange sensation because I, I always felt we we had another goal in us um, when it was when it was say three two down. I always felt we'd score again because we were just we were creating so many chances and they had yeah. they had about ten men behind the ball at most stages in the second half, just ma- marking man for man, marking manfully and just getting rid of the ball when they got it. But you always felt that with players like. Paddy Roberts, who was that ball for the the Armstrong goal was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, with the way Armstrong was playing, with the way Tom Rodgers was moving, even with Dembele kind of always there, you always felt we were going to find a way back into the game. Yeah, it was I almost agree. it was it was euphoria when we scored. Um, well, the, the the goal, the Armstrong goal, was real euphoria, but the the Rogic goal, the final goal to win it, was incredible. But it, it almost felt. Uh, not like a shock, almost felt like it was always coming, and that was a strange thing. That's why, for me, the only worry in the game was the clock and the clock running down. Right, if, yeah. we'd, if we'd have had another ten minutes, um, we'd have scored another. And by yeah. the way, the referee blows full time, and Dembele's about to tuck away um, the fifth goal That's as true. well. So, so um, I think, uh, I think for me, yesterday. Uh, speaking personally, it felt like the biggest win under Brendan Rodgers yet, and and for me that was that was just down to the fact. I mean, everyone knows that we are the best team in Scotland by a country mile, yeah. but for me yesterday it was the first time domestically that we've been really up against it. I mean, two 0 down away from home, it doesn't come much more challenging than that for a group of players, and I think the way they responded in the second half, to, as I say, put in a performance like I've never seen a home team been so dominated in their own patch yeah. in the second half as Motherwell were and I think the team and the, the management deserve huge credit for that Yeah well see you're talking about about the, the, the manager and, and the way they changed the game and stuff like that I was looking before the, the podcast about how we, how he does do that and, and how many times it's happened throughout the season and I think we forget going back to the Hearts game in the start of August Scott Sinclair comes off the bench and scores and then just yeah. from, from from there on, it's it's I think it's seven it's eight guys I count and thirteen league games that have come off the bench and scored for Celtic. That's it's, it's that's incredible, phenomenal the way that he does it. And looking at the, obviously the Motherwell game, we were two nothing down at half time, and that's the first time we've been down. We've not been we've been went into the break losing. Um, the only other time I think we were we were losing in any time in the game was was Kilmarnock and 
Um, yeah. it, and that was for about 30, it was about for 40 seconds or something. <laughs> it wasn't long. <laughs> and, um, because you look at the other games that we've had taken them a big grind out, you look at the Hearts game, for example, um, 1-1 at the break, and we go up there, uh, Scott Sinclair comes on and scores, and then you look at Dundee away, um, you, we now know at half time and we get the win, and then the other ones like yeah. Inverness, you now know at half time and Celtic come out of the, the second half, it changes it slightly, changes the, the tactics, slightly changes the focus, and you go out there and score three goals without reply. It's unbelievable the way he's doing things. For, for me, it sends out, yes, the result sends out a massive message to the rest of Scottish football as well, but it sends out the message of you're going to have to play at your very best and hope that we don't show up to have any chance of beating us because Motherwell, Motherwell yesterday were. Let's be honest, they were brilliant. First yeah. half, they were absolutely brilliant. They were first to every ball. They were snide and they were committing a lot of fouls. But fair play to them. You need to kind of do what you, you want to do to win games. Or you, uh, you need to do what you need to do to win games against us or, or at least get ahead against us. But even then, it wasn't enough in the second half. Um, and, and we won the game. And you saw, I don't know if the TV picture showed it, but Motherwell players slumped on the deck no, when Tom Mogic scores that goal. Um, I, I, I can that. certainly remember um, through the, the kind of. The, the, Ovation after that game, I can certainly remember seeing three or four of them something on the the pitch at Fur Park. Um, that must just destroy them. Imagine the next time they play us, what's going yeah. through their head? I mean, how do we beat this team? Well, it's 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 like you say that the signal that this sends to the rest of Scottish football is that no one is going to beat us this season. And we've been talking about it how it's too early uh, to go the season unbeaten domestically. And you know, the first half showed how difficult that a task that is because yeah. Um, you have one bad half and all of a sudden it's it's out of the picture. But that kind of performance, to me, is Celtic saying, come ahead then, try and beat us. You're not going to. We're always going to find a way to either draw or win. And th- it must be soul-destroying for a team to put everything into a uh, display, everything into a 45 minutes, to go two, sensationally go 2-0 up against us and still lose the game. And I just can't imagine how that would feel. Um, mm. Yeah, you're right, though. It's... it's um, it's a signal of the intent, for sure. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, on you go, Paul. No, I was just going to say another thing was uh, if the other, like the gaffers uh, across the country are looking, so right, how can we actually beat this team? And then you remember going to last season, teams teams didn't seem to have that sense of fear that they should have, or they have had for the last kind of ten years when they're playing playing Celtic. That seems to have returned. And yeah. I don't know if, if it's obviously down to the manager, the upturn in the form, the way that we've started the season, we've picked up the league cup already. Um, but when these guys are looking into who what they can do against us and stuff like that, and they look into when we score our goals, we've scored a third of our goals after the seventy fifth minute. We, we, we don't we don't give up. We just keep going. Um, we're scoring three goals a game on average, and we're still scoring three. Like after five games, I thought that will drop down um, in the next couple of games. But thirteen games into the season, we're still averaging three a game. It's Incredible. Yeah, I mean the, the fear has certainly returned to everyone in Scottish football except Richie Foran by the looks of things <laughs> um, What about the scenes after the game though? Because I should probably again be addressing this uh, question to myself um, being there But for me it, it felt like we'd won the league It was incredible, <laughs> Like there was um, there was ten in a row, was getting chanted for yeah. um, for uh, It must have been about five minutes well, Did um, you see yeah. that the thing Gio posted, you know, the, the photo- if people don't know who Gio is um, the photographer who takes pictures at Celtic game. He had a thing on t- on Twitter where he'd caught uh, Mikael Lustig doing the yeah. here we go ten in a row, and he'd stitched the photos together. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a real, real, real celebration for me. It was uh, the biggest confirmation 
that everyone is behind Brendan Rodgers and what he's trying to do at the mm-hmm. moment, and it just it's it's such a happy place to be at the moment, Celtic. Yeah, I I can't get enough of it. I'm addicted to it, um, and addicted to it in a way that I haven't been for years under under Celtic. It, yeah, you know, you do go through spells with the club, and and this has been the case for maybe a lot of Celtic fans, but certainly for myself, where it feels more like an obligation to watch and go and support Celtic than. Um, perhaps a joy but right now it's a joy and this is what this is why we support Celtic this run that we're going through now um, every week playing good football uh, winning football games trying our best in Europe this is this is what it's all about and uh, I just hope that it continues because I can't get enough of it as the song says and cheesily enough Paul I know. I just, I just I have to I agree the way the way it's going it's just you can't I don't know what else you do like I know if we're in the Champions League and stuff like that and if we were going for the last 16 and but winning these games and coming through games like we did at the weekend like unscathed still got that unbeaten record including obviously the Cup as well so we're into this game in the, the Scottish Cup uh, the start of next year and thinking we, we, we've got a, a right good chance of doing the unthinkable and, and becoming like the, the Scottish Invincibles mm, Cole O'Toole would he have been part of both Invincibles then if it happens? Oh, that's that's an incredible uh, thought. But Colo Turi, you know, it's funny. I would never have worried about Colo Turi coming in for a, an injured or ill player before. But um, I really want Sviatchenko as back as soon as possible. I thought Colo Turi really struggled um, coming back to playing a, what was a game full of intensity and pace, and he, he just looked a little bit off that pace. Uh, yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably be with you there. Um, final point I want to make on a personal note was the, the joy it gave me to leave the stadium and leave those, uh, you know, those wee well boys in the corner of the, <laughs> yeah. the stand who were giving it absolute beans <laughs> when, they, when they scored the three times, running away past the stewards. One of them was in the park at one point, um, really? giving it giving it the V's in the, the middle to the, the Celtic support. It was great to see them all um, pinging away in stoppage time when we were all celebrating. So I really enjoyed that part of the game as well. Excellent. Um, elsewhere uh, in the Premiership on Saturday, I'll just quickly run through these results. Um, Hamilton Academical drew one all with Partick Thistle at the Super Seal Stadium. Um, Kilmarnock got a good victory at home to Dundee. Ross County drew 2-2 with Hearts. Uh, lots of late drama there up in the Highlands. Rangers beat Aberdeen 2-1 in one of the games in a battle for, yes, second place. <laughs> and uh, St Johnson beat Inverness, Cali Thistle 3-0 at home. Um, did you guys uh, see anything else that happened yesterday? Have you seen sports scene or anything like that? Anything to add from the rest of um, the other 11 or the other 10 teams? I've actually not seen the goals, but it's a good, it was a good day for uh, us, St Johnston and Rangers, I would say. Um, but I've not seen the goals from from any other team, unfortunately. No, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen anything either. But I was I did look at one thing because I put some money on St Johnston um, and I backed Aberdeen as well. I thought they would go to Ibrox and get the victory. But um, the bottom six of the table—it's unbelievable how close it is between twelfth and sixth yeah. place. It's just uh, Motherwell must have been thinking we get three points here. We're we're doing all right. We're kind of getting towards safety, and yeah. now they're sitting in ninth. They went to drop for six to ninth. And now they're only mm-hmm. one point clear. I know they've got a couple of them have got a game, there's a game in hand here or there, but one point clear of the drop is, is ridiculous. I know Motherwell had that a uh, couple of seasons back when they when they beat Rangers in the playoff as well. So they'll their fans will be they'll be nervous if that could happen again because everybody seems to be beating everybody and nobody's taking apart from the you know, Celtic, everybody else is kinda of losing games left, right and centre. And it's it's makes interesting viewing for, for the rest of everybody else, but it's it's good for us looking down on them and laughing. 
<laughs> That's exactly what we're doing. Um, Kilmarnock, probably the, the big winners from the, the bottom kind of seven, the relegation scrap yesterday. Um, and Rangers win over Aberdeen means that uh, Aberdeen were previously second, so it actually means that we are now eight points clear with three games in hand. It's actually pretty incredible um, the way how far ahead we are of the rest at the moment. Um, we'll turn attention then to a game against Manchester City, just briefly because it is a completely meaningless match, um, other than the fact there's probably about a million quid up for stake. Um, what are you guys thinking about this? Does it does it matter a lot to you? It doesn't matter a huge amount, does it? It's, it's, it's one of these games, as you said, it's pretty much meaningless. It does... Not a lot, apart from money and maybe coefficient points. Um, we, can go to, we can go to Manchester and, and show Man City how you support your team and how you do it. When, even when it's a mean, <laughs> even when a meaningless match, you turn out and you support your team, you give it 100% for the full 90 minutes. Um, and the only other thing is you maybe see some of the French players getting a shot in the Champions League and I'm hoping that like, somebody um, can can do a wee bit of um, do the business and, and stick as a win mm. because I don't really like them as a club They're, they seem to be very plastic <laughs> a plastic club that are buying their way through everything and their fans uh, don't seem to buy into the mentality that Champions League is a big tournament and they think well, qualifying for the last 16 seems to be like a, a given so uh, I hope we do the business um, it's, a, it's a day out, isn't it, for everyone going? And I think yeah. there's thousands of Celtic fans going down. So obviously, and we might we might even leave their city alone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I'm sure there'll be no incidents uh, of that nature. But um, so you hope for a good performance for the for the travelling fans. But in terms of what I'm expecting from it, it's it's damage limitation. I'm afraid because uh, Manchester City are a very good side, and I think we're up against it uh, going to that uh, to their home um, and trying to play them. Um, I, I watched. I managed to watch some of the Chelsea Man City uh, game later on in the day. Obviously, it was on at the same time as the Celtic game. Yeah. Um, and Man City were unlucky uh, not to get something out of that game. Three uh, one. Three one Chelsea and um, Man City had a host of chances. They went one nil up and then they had a host of chances to make it two nil. Uh, De Bruyne hit the bar from six yards, um, and then Chelsea just destroyed them from that point on. But they're they're a very good side and. A little bit fearful of going there, to be honest with you. But hopefully, good performance at the very least, a good day out for the fans going down. See, on that point, John, I just want to say that um, I just like to um, on the on the on the podcast um, put forward my disgust to uh, walk about the pub in Glasgow. They had the Man City and Chelsea game on the big screen, and the Celtic game was oh, on the no. daft wee tellies. Even oh, though the Celtic no. game started fifteen minutes before, ridiculous! Yeah, I was absolutely right. raging. Yeah, well, it's maybe what's wrong with uh, the promotion of our game at the moment um, <laughs> in, in many ways. Uh, I'll hand over to you now, John, because we're in the closing minutes of show number two, yeah. um, and I believe you've got something to say about uh, the website. Yeah, so, I mean, this time last week we didn't have a website really. I think we'd written two two articles, and uh, we had, hadn't really figured out what we were doing with it. But since then, we've, we've had a whole host of stuff going up, and... Um, yourself and Paul, you had the interview with Donati and Paul's had a couple of good articles this week so if you're interested in reading about Celtic as well as listening um, to us talking about Celtic then head over to grandallteam.com and you'll find uh, quite a quite a good mix of articles we've got stuff about the team but also stuff about you know some fan issues so I, I wrote a piece there this week about the offensive behaviour at Football Act and how that should be repealed immediately and Paul had a thing about the curse of the player of the year, so we're we're looking at things in, in, in history as well. And I just want to say as well, thanks to everyone who's who's taken their time to yeah, definitely. Uh, spread the word or um, 
discuss the site with us or even click on to read one of our stuff it, it means a lot to us um, and we're, we're not tooting our own horn but the, the the response has been i think much better than we we're expecting um, and we'll hope it, hope it continues in the future this week we've got um, some more stuff going up I, I mentioned that last week that we would be doing a Betty Ald article and I just never had time to get around to doing it but I will be doing that this week um, and I'm thinking about doing one comp- uh, tracking uh, Dembele season so far with Griffiths last season so there'll maybe um, stuff to do with that and I'm sure you guys will come up with a few articles as well yeah, there's there's no shortage of things to write about at the moment uh, concerning Celtic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can get us on Twitter at Fritz uh, Grand Old. That's A U L D as in Bertie Old. Uh, and Paul, I also believe we now have a, a Facebook page up and running. Yeah, after all that, carry on with with our, our friends from from the, the fine city of Liverpool. Um, we had to start again on Facebook. We had we had launched it last week and we gathered a wee bit of a couple of hundred folk on it. But we have started again. If you go on if you go into Twitter and you search for Fritz Grand Old, the same as same uh, at handle as Twitter, you'll be able to find us. Give us a like, and there'll be some kind of slightly different content going up there. It's a different medium for Twitter, so you might get the odd video and and things like that. So, uh, give us a like on there, and we'll see what we can we can do for you. What does the the week uh, coming hold for you two guys? And what are you up to? Um, I'll be working a lot. I think um, just doing some freelance write, uh, sorry freelance writing for uh, Football Fancast um, on the transfer rumour uh, drive. So that's that's my week. Yeah, work, 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 work. That's um, not a day off until Christmas Eve. So I'm going to enjoy my work. <laughs> Tears for Paul at the moment, certainly. Um, thank you very much. You've been listening to uh, the Grand Old Podcast, episode number two. We were talking about Celtic's victory over Motherwell at Firth Park. We got to discuss it all, and we didn't even mention the Mark McGee and Chris <laughs> Davies spat. Well done, guys. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, and thank you very much more to you for listening at home. Cheers, and take care. We'll speak to you next week. <laughs>